everyone. I'm Andrea Ferretti, and this is episode 198 of Yoga Land. Today, my guest is Faith Hunter. Faith is a Washington, D.C.-based yoga and meditation teacher. She owns a studio there called Embrace Yoga. She just moved that studio model online to her own live streaming and on-demand class platform called Embrace Ohm. And she just started a video talk show on her YouTube channel. So we talked about that today. You may remember that I've had Faith on the show before. She was on episode 79. And on that episode, it's really beautiful if you want to go back and listen to it. She generously shared the story of losing her brother and how she coped with that grief for a very long time. So I was scrolling through Instagram and maybe like 10 days ago, actually probably about two weeks ago by the time this episode comes out, I got to Faith and she had an IGTV video linked from her feed and I watched it. And it was just her speaking about her experience of what's going on in the world right now with the the protests demanding justice for George Floyd and for more equality for Black people and brown people in our nation. And as usual, I was just struck by her ability to express so much, so genuinely, and also in such a clear way. So I reached out to her and I said, hey, you want to come back on the pod? And she said, sure. So we talk about her new projects today, and then she also shares some thoughts on how yoga studios and teachers can be better allies and how she uses her tools from her life experience, from her yoga and her meditation practice to cope with what's going on right now and also just to cope with navigating through the world. We had just a great conversation, and I appreciate her so much, and I know that you will too. And I will link to all of her new projects on the show notes page, so be sure to go check it out. I can't wait to go watch her YouTube show. It sounds awesome. All right. Well, it's so nice to see you again, Faith. I'm so happy to connect with you. And I thought it would just be fun. I know you're go- like you're up to so much lately with COVID happening. I, like, I feel like a lot of yoga teachers are it's given us time to work on projects that we've always thought about. And so I would love to know what you're up to. I know you've got a new online platform. You've got a new online show. Tell me what's up. Sure. Uh, well, thank you for, for <laughs> connecting. And it's, it's always a joy to like chat to you. So I'm Thanks. excited about that. <laughs> but yes, I am up to quite a bit. So many things prior to COVID were spinning in my head and spinning my heart. And I had to really pace myself because right before COVID happened, I finished the second draft of a book, which yeah. That's huge. Um, that I, oh my gosh. Yes. So I finished that and I was actually scheduled to go out to Colorado and shoot photos for it in June, which of course that is postponed. So that project ended. I remodeled my yoga studio. And as I was sharing with you before we started recording, I also moved to a new apartment and remodeled and like completely redesigned my entire home and aesthetics. And then COVID hit. And when that hit, 
I started to see things shift within the yoga studio in terms of the numbers started to go down. And so we actually closed probably a week before the mayor sent her official citywide notice for everyone to practice social distancing. So it was just very, very small. I started to take us from our live in-person classes at the studio and take us right over to Zoom. Uh-huh. And then in a matter of two weeks of, I want to call the Zoom headache and <laughs> trying to, <laughs> to navigate this whole thing with Zoom and, and offering classes online and working with my yoga teachers that some of them had never, ever recorded before. So yeah. not only was Zoom really common. Yeah. yeah, like Zoom technology is new for them and having to record classes. Yeah. So that happened. And I was like, you know what? I was already thinking about launching and had started just kind of like the incubation stage of my new platform, Embrace Ohm. And the idea with Embrace Ohm was to provide on-demand content that was more than just yoga. Mm-hmm. However, with COVID, I was like, well, we're just going to launch and we're going to launch it with yoga. I don't really care. I'm not going to try and process this. And then a company, one of my teachers works with this other company in education and was like, Hey, we have this platform. Do you think you might want to use it for the yoga studio? And I was like, Hmm, let me see what it looks like. And so we completely removed ourselves from mind body online. Oh, wow. So so, so it's like a whole learning platform that you use now. So do you use it to live stream your classes also, or is that separate? So both. Yeah, we use it to live stream our classes. Basically, Zoom is integrated into the system. Uh And that was one of the things that was so appealing is that we set everything up in our larger Zoom account, but then inside of their platform, we schedule all the classes. Mm -hmm. All we have to do is click a button. So we don't have to do anything in the back end in Zoom. When our teachers log in, they log into Zoom, they see their classes listed, they press play or start, and then everything begins. Nice. However, our students register inside of our new platform, Embrace Ohm, and then they receive an email with a private link. Uh huh. And they don't even have to paste and copy the link. The email just like directs them, boom, right yeah. over Zoom. And yeah. with this whole digital learning platform, we can upload on-demand classes. We can offer like specialty workshops and trainings that are all live stream and then flip them over to on-demand. And soon we'll start offering eBooks, online trainings that where not only you're getting trained, but you'll get the the content in Mm -hmm. terms of like the handouts and materials. And all of that is inside of your little account as the student and it's all saved. So if you're like, Oh, I want to go back and take a look at these handouts. I can print them, but I know that they're always saved. I don't have to like go email the teacher. I lost my stuff. So, and there's so many other elements of the platform that we haven't even discovered, but that is like the big thing that Mm -hmm. dropped in May. So it took us almost six weeks to that's, pull it together. That's fast though. I am impressed. Like I have to say, you are such a doer. You're so like action oriented. It <laughs> does not surprise me, but I think it'll be encouraging for other people to hear that you are able to do this because, and I actually really like what you said about like, you know, we're just going to start with yoga. I don't need to process my whole vision of 
two years from now? Because sometimes when you do a project, like when I started this podcast, people will say like, oh, did you have 10 episodes already in the can and recorded? And I'm like, no, I had one. I had, I knew that I needed the deadline to just start and go yeah. and, and fig, you figure it out as you go along. Like yeah. you don't have to have it perfect. You just, and also like, if you think of it from the perspective of your students, you are providing now this kind of more comprehensive experience for your students. So you're really serving your students better. Yeah. And that was the big thing is that we really wanted to provide something special for all of our amazing students and clients that practice with us. But the other huge piece is that there were so many people online that were my followers and supporters on Facebook, Instagram, and whatnot. And now they can practice with me. And because of COVID, I was, I mean, like, you know, I mean, with your husband as well, we travel around. I mean, that's part of the thing that we do as, as global yoga teachers. And so all of my gigs, many of them throughout the rest of the year are canceled. Yep. Same here with Jason. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like, it, and it's almost like every other day, there's something, an update. Some of people, some people are moving into offering their festivals online, which is actually really cool, but some are not right. and postponing until 2021. So all of those people that were already registered are it was in their plans to come and hang out with me at a festival or at some other studio offering that I workshop weekend I was having. Now they can practice with me on this platform yeah. and, and connect with me face to face because at the end of my, my classes that I teach every week, I take five minutes after class as if I was in the studio, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. still hanging out, chilling, having a cup of tea, talking. It's nice, isn't it? It's really I just nice. hang out on Zoom and like, yeah. Ah. Yeah. And there's always someone, you know, if people need to go just like in regular class, they can go. And if someone just wants to chat with you, like, yeah, I have had a few teachers do that too. And I, it's, I appreciate it. It's, it's like a nice, cause you, we miss each other. Oh my God. I miss humans so much. And I mean, I have humans around me, but I still, and I love them, but woof. Yeah. So what about your, is it a podcast or like a video? Yeah. So it's, it's actually a combination of both. So we are live streaming it or not live streaming. We're streaming it in a podcast form. So the audio will at some point, you know, how iTunes takes forever to do things. Yes. 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 (laughs) So at some point it will happen. It will show up in iTunes and on Spotify, but it's also video format and it's showing on my YouTube page. And when you mentioned not like working through like, Oh my God, is this perfect? I've wanted to create a show for years. Mm -hmm. And as you know, I mean, I started podcasting way back in the day when it first, uh, like 2008 or something. Mm -hmm. And it was just my live classes. And then I just couldn't sustain it because I was doing other things. And so I just dropped it. And then a couple of years ago, I was like, yeah, I want to start a new show, but life happened and I didn't have time. Yeah. I somehow mentioned it to one of my other teachers at my yoga studio. I was like, yeah, I want to do this talk show thing, la, 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 la. And while we're in COVID, he goes, well, I can be your producer and I can schedule all people. I, he's like, and I have this dream of casting. Oh, <laughs> nice. Like, so I, he's basically my casting and booking agent for my show. And he's been with me for a really, his name is Stuart. He's been with me for a really long time at the yoga studio as a teacher. And he's just a friend and he's one of the directors, you know, for my new Embrace Own platform. And 
to have him set everything up makes my life really, really easy. So I know every Tuesday I pop on, I'm talking to someone amazing. And when you that said- so cute that he does that for you and you just get to be like, da-da. <laughs> Here I am. Yeah. I set up my little lights and I'm like, ta-da, let's yeah. talk. Chatting it up with faith. But the, the thing is like, I was really obsessed about having, because I was like, okay, I need to have like a couple of episodes in the can right. before I launch. And my astrologer- <laughs> Because I have amazing astrologer. Oh my way. gosh. I might need to tap into, I've talked to you about that after and get your astrologers. Yeah. I've never, well, I've only done it once, but it's, I'm like in this space right now or it could be helpful to me. Oh yeah. my goodness. So long story. He spoke to my astrologer two weeks before I spoke to her and he told her that he was doing this thing, but he didn't really go into detail. I knew he had spoken to her and I was like, dude, I need to catch up with Sandy. It's been over a year. I'm like this whole Venus and retrograde, you know, it's, it's crazy right now. I need to, I need to sit down with her. So I get on the phone with her. I'd already recorded a podcast, like one of the shows. And I, that was a Tuesday. I sat down with her like on a Thursday and she's like, Faith, just launch it. Yeah. And if you don't, and she knows my whole chart. She knows me for a long time. She's like, if you don't launch it before June 1st, at midnight, mm. <laughs> you need to wait two months. Mm. She, yeah. Are you a Virgo? Like, yeah. Oh, yes. I, I knew it. Yes. See, How yes. did you know that? Because my husband's a Virgo. I have a lot of Virgos in my life. I have Virgo in my chart and it's like Virgos are perfectionists and it's yeah. really hard sometimes to just boom, put stuff out there in the world. You're just very meticulous mm-hmm. and like- yeah, it's so funny that I guess that. <laughs> You're like, are you a Virgo? <laughs> like, yeah. I guess I'm more in tune with astrology than I thought. Yeah. yeah. So that that gave you the, the push that you needed. The push. Yeah. yeah. And so, and she's, the thing I love about her is, about Sandy, is that she doesn't say, oh, this is going to happen, that's going to happen, but this is how you work mm. with the energy, because that's all astrology is, is the energy out there. You know, when you were born into the world, and the energy that that is driving you. Mm-hmm. And so based upon how things are shifting and moving around your personal planets, this is how they can impact them. But mostly, this is how you can show up as your authentic self in the world. And these are the times that you can yeah, blast I like off. That. I like and that's that. what I love about her. Yeah. So what is like the focus of your show? Do you, are you going to talk to sort of whomever you find compelling right now, or is it yoga focused or yeah. How are you? Yeah. So the name of the show is spiritually fly and it's a lifestyle show. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really about people that I feel have something amazing to say. And there may be some yoga teachers on there, but I launched with an amazing DC drag queen who's also a historian. And so having him share just his life and being a black gay man and how he's experienced discrimination, but also how history has impacted everything and how he worked through his discomforts and fears and anxieties about one being a gay black man 
and then stepped into his fullness being a drag queen in DC and how he works with history and educating people about what it means to be gay, what it means to be a drag queen, how that you have seen this over the course of, you know, our existence on this earth and how we should have respect and, and mm-hmm. honor who he is and how, you know, his clan is. So, yeah. so that was the first show I dropped with. And I remember when Stuart was like going through some list of people and I was like, yes, yes, yes. And I was mm-hmm. like, dude, are you like inside my little juicy heart right now? And so he's finding individuals that I feel have a voice to say. So that was episode one. And I've only recorded three episodes, by the way. And episode two dropped last Sunday. And that one was another gay black man who's also a therapist and social worker and an accountability coach. And so that was really powerful for him to to share his life, but also how people, regardless of who you are, can work through trauma Mm. and move through challenging relationships that may have caused you some trauma and what that, what work you need to do inside. And so that whole accountability piece really showed up in the interview. And then this past Tuesday, which we haven't launched the episode yet, is a friend that I grew up with who's a physician and uh, OBGYN. And she has a nonprofit that works with maternal health. Awesome. And yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, and then next week I have relationship coach showing up. So literally this podcast is that's awesome. all, all over the place. And it's just lifestyle that's filled with tools and techniques and interesting people that will just, just help you live what I like to say, help you live your spiritually fly life, which is yeah. more than just being on the yoga mat as we know. Totally. I am a tiny bit envious hearing you say, talk about this because I've been doing this podcast now for gosh, I mean, I think it's been four years and you know, every once in a while, like I want to go out of the box and do something totally different. I'm like, Oh, my listeners won't want to hear it. Or, you know, so I have to, if I want to do something else, I can always do something else, but I'm excited for you. That'll be really fun to just like work with the casting guy and just people that are exciting and, and interesting to you. And that'll be interesting yeah. to everyone else too. Yeah. yeah. And so I, you know, I, I'll tell you it, one of the things, especially when I was talking to Stuart, the cast, my casting director and producer, um, when I was talking to him, I was like, Stuart, I literally cried on the phone with him. I was like, dude, I want to step outside of this box that I'm in. I'm like, I've put myself in this box. I've allowed other people to put me in this box. This box has, fueled my entire career. Mm-hmm. It's been lovely and sweet and I, it's been great, but I'm tired of being in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's so much more to who I am and my life and my interest. And I want this to be the way that I start expressing and sharing that. Yeah. That's good. I was, I just, I don't know if I can express, like articulate this because it was just a thought I had in my head today, but I was thinking about how, for me anyway, when I first got into yoga, it, just, it was so rich and it was so deep and there was so much to learn and it was so different from anything I'd ever learned growing up that I just went so far into it, right? For so many years and so many years. And this is going to sound terrible to people, but if you know my brain, like I'm a person who 
I learn things quickly, but it doesn't necessarily, um, I'm not good at like reciting facts and reciting dates and reciting, you know. So at this point in my yoga study and my yoga practice, it's like, I'm sort of almost letting go of some of the, the deep detailed stuff that I held onto for so long. And I'm like, this is really just supposed to serve me to be in this world right now at my best. I'm glad that made sense. <laughs> like, looks like it made sense. Yeah. Like this yeah. is not, I don't need to walk around reciting facts to people that I know this and because I see so much infighting in the yoga world these days and I'm so over it. Mm. I'm really like, and <laughs> I just want to say to people, like, you don't have to worry so much about like, I don't know, maybe people are going to think I'm crazy, but like, you don't have to worry about every detail. You have to focus on what resonates with you and like share that and live that because that's what's going to make a difference in the world and in people's lives. So I get it when you say like this, you are who you are because of yoga and like all the study and all the teaching that you've done and you get to share it in a different format, in a different way. Yeah. By doing this. So yeah. 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 And it's really interesting that, you know, you talk about how you are shifting in, you know, within the way that you show up and how this, this practice has really guided you and supported you, but you're like, it's the details aren't as important. I'm finding that with these zoom classes, (laughs) this live stream, and that I've been teaching from home, I'm just teaching what feels good Yeah, on that, like on that day in that moment, because when I'm, when I'm teaching face to face with my students, I'm doing a lot of reading their energy. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm teaching from that place. Whereas now I'm teaching from a whole nother level of energy. And you know what? The flow may not fit the technical way that I would normally teach my vinyasa class, but this is what feels good right now. And this is how I'm honoring the energy. And mm-hmm. I don't really care if, you know, the yoga police come after me and they're like, you're not supposed to be teaching that flow and linking, you know, it's like one day I did some breath work and combined it with something. Well, I mean, I kind of have done that a lot anyway, but I'm like now doing it recorded. Like it's different, like doing it in person. I'm like yeah. those only those people are the witness to what's happening. Right, Whereas right, now, right the video camera is capturing all of my, my yoga craziness. And it lives on. Yeah. I'm like, Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. 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 I, I did teach that breath. Work, uh, that pose. Um, yeah, it, that, yeah. It felt good. And everybody seemed to survive. From. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to switch gears a little bit. I mean, yeah. obviously there's so much going on right now. So much going on in the world. And, you know, I reached out to you because I think I reached out to you, I don't know, maybe 10 days ago or something because yeah. I watched one of your Instagram videos where you were just kind of, it was, it was so great faith. Like you're just, I was so appreciative of how genuine you were and that it was like, clearly just you turn on the camera and you just talked about how you were feeling, you know, with all of the protesting going on and, Mm -hmm. you know, just people talking, just being more aware of race and like white privilege in our, what's going on right now. And Have you seen by any chance the um, conversations, uncomfortable conversations with a black man with Emmanuel Acho? He is an ESPN reporter and he's just started, I think it's just on Instagram. It's called Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man. And and the first one he did on his own, 
And then the second one he did with Matthew McConaughey. And I'm watching it. I'm like, this is exactly how I feel like trying to have this conversation. Like I am not like whenever I have had anyone of color on my show, like I've had them on my show because of what they do and like what they're contributing in the yoga space and like who they are. I've never had like an open conversation about race and inclusivity at the same time. I think it's important for me to acknowledge yoga has not, it, it, yoga in the West, like here in the States, I can't speak to anywhere else, but has not been the most inclusive practice. And I think that what I want to kind of address just in the moment right now is some of the bypassing, right? Mm-hmm. That, that can happen in the yoga space and some of the, but we're all the same and we're all connected. And like, of course I'm inclusive. And of course, And that was sort of one of the first things that you brought up in your, when you were talking is like, the first thing we have to do is actually acknowledge that this is happening. I also like, I've just, you know, I put a few messages out there in newsletters acknowledging that this is happening in white privilege. And I've gotten responses like, I don't want to be a part of your political campaign. And that's like another response within the right? It's like that this is political and, you know, I've said like, this has nothing, this has nothing to do with politics, nothing. And like, to me, I'm talking too much. I feel like I'm just talking. No, I'm just like surprised <laughs> that somebody would actually, like, no. I was, a little surprised. Surprised. I was a little surprised. But I'm, your listeners, I'm, that's what I'm surprised. People that follow you, know, you that, I will be surprised. I was a little surprised too, but it's like, a, it's a, it's a fear or something. It's, it's like a, it's a mask. It's a. I can't quite understand where that comes from because I can't understand a lot of things that are happening in our country right now in terms of like the polarization, but I'm going to stop talking and I'm just going to say, <laughs> I yeah. you know, how do we help people in our community understand that it's really not yogic to say, oh, but we're all one and we're all the same. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Totally. I was flipping through my, my emails today and I didn't even get a chance to read the guy's full on email and I can't even remember his name, but the headline of his email said, spirituality and politics are the same, mm. like, meaning that they run the same line. You can't be spiritual and not stand up for something. Or, and you can't speak the, in this, I think this falls in this, the line with yoga is that we have all of these amazing teachings and teachers are you know, really sharing this level of oneness, but then you go off the mat into your daily life and you've left it all behind. You left that stuff in Vegas, basically, <laughs> and it stayed there and you are, you are having conversations with your friends and you are laughing at the jokes that are racially charged. You are allowing those to surface. You are in Starbucks and you are seeing blatant racism happen in front of you. You turn, you grab your coffee and you walk out the door Mm -hmm. and you say nothing. Mm -hmm. Right. So in terms of like, if you are truly believing in the principles that you learn on your yoga mat, that at a very deep soul level, we are one and we are rooted in this aspect of love. You can't ignore what's happening right now, nor can you ignore 
the things that you've said, the underlying levels of racism that you have basically launched out and are extended out towards other people and harm them in a way that you didn't even know because it's so ingrained in you mm-hmm. and it's part of what you normally do. And if you're not taking time out is, is to stop, to listen to what's happening and listen to all the voices because there's so many amazing voices and people that are speaking out. Listen to the voices, listen to the stories and then sit down with yourself and check yourself, like really examine and look at all the places in your life where you showed up as a racist and you didn't even know it. Or you did, you did it and you ignored it. Mm -hmm. Cause that's also a piece that happens. When you mention the person that responded to your email, that's just someone ignoring. Yeah. And, And making an assumption that it doesn't have to do with them. And they're just ignoring all of their own personal base. Can I say bad words? Yeah, 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 yeah. Ignoring their shit. Yeah. <laughs> Said words. Don't worry. Okay, okay. I'm like, okay, I usually curse, but I, I'm like, I don't think I cursed on the last time no, I chatted. But um, yeah, so yeah. I yeah. Just, the piece that I find is we talk about this whole bypassing and it is, it's not just like, Oh, we're spiritually bypassing. We're just not even looking. Like, yeah, you see it and you're like, oh, I'm going the other way. Like, you're not even passing it by. So it's like hitting you right. in your peripheral vision. Right. You check it, you see it, and you're like, oh, I'm going to go this whole different direction because right. I don't want that to impact my spirituality. Mm-hmm. I don't want that to move into to my heart. I didn't do anything bad. Right. I'm not the racist. I wasn't there 400 years ago. Mm -hmm. Right. I think it's so easy as as white people to say to yourself, like, and I think I've probably been guilty of this in the past. Like I'm a good person. I do, I do the right things. Like I love people. You know, I always think about like, I grew up, I think we're about the same age. Like I grew up watching Sesame street, like with the Coke commercial, we are all one all love, la la la. And I always just thought like, I I just assumed, right? I just assumed that we all love each other. It's all good. So I'm not doing anything bad. So I don't have to necessarily step up in any way. And that's just like, you know, it's like what we have to see now is that's just being complicit, right? That's just being complicit in the fact that there are really overt forms of racism that you might not Mm -hmm. be participating in, but there are very subtle forms as well that you may not even be aware of. One of the things that uh, in that Emmanuel Acho, um, Matthew McConaughey conversation was, he said that, I don't remember the statistics. You guys can go back and watch it, but something about like when people send in resumes, if they have a more black sounding name, they are less likely to be called for a job. Like that. I've had instances where I've when I was working like nine to five nonprofit jobs, and my my name is very generic. And especially when I moved to the East Coast from Louisiana, people would see the university. So I went to Grambling State University undergrad, and some people know that's a historically black university, but not everybody knows. Yeah, because most people would look and see, oh. Loyola University, New Orleans. Okay, whatever. Uh uh And then I walk in and I mean, 
even before I practiced yoga or I did, you know, I was a yoga teacher. I could feel people's energy and literally look at me and go, when I walk in the room, like you're a faith hunter, that's racism. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think like, I mean, I see a lot of, um, and I have other conversations planned too, but do you feel like there are tangible things? I get a lot of questions like, what do I do as a studio owner to make my space feel more inclusive? Like, what do I do? I mean, we've all seen, <laughs> what do I do to be a, more of an ally? And I, I love that people are like, Go- use Google <laughs> at this point, like be creative. They're fed, like read the books, yeah. do your work. But I am Where curious about like specifically the yoga space and like, if you have any thoughts about that and you own your own yoga space and you have mm-hmm, for a long mm-hmm. time. So I'm sure you've had to, to think about it for yourself. So yeah, I wonder yeah. if you have any thoughts on a personal level and then just advice. Yeah. I mean, definitely what my first recommendation, which several people have already like really blasted this really well is that you have to do your research and don't feel like you have to recreate something. I think, I think that is the other piece. Part of being an ally is collaborating. And that's one of the things that I feel like within the, that's what I learned from the nonprofit industry. And that's what that kind of sector really highlights is taking all of our efforts, not recreating something, not feel like you have to be able to do everything for everybody, but collaboration. So Mm -hmm. if that means collaborating with another yoga studio that you know for a fact serves people of color so much better than you, you guys join forces and host events and do things like that. Don't feel like, oh, well, it's my yoga studio. I need to keep my money. We're in COVID. And then I, I, I can only provide this. So I'm going to go and ask my one single black yoga teacher that teaches at my studio to be everything for everybody at my studio. Because right. that's also a little underlined racism right there. Mm-hmm. Like, like token you of, can't yeah. call on that single one. Shame on you that that's the only one that you've hired. But now that we're in this place, mm-hmm. <laughs> everybody's trying to do better. Sorry, I don't mean Let's to laugh. do better. It's just like, yeah, it's just, <laughs> oy, oy, oy. <laughs> you know, so, and so collaboration is like one of the things that I, I think is so important. And this goes for not just yoga teachers. This is, this goes for, for businesses as well. Cause I do want to share one thing that I received and I'll talk about that a little bit later, but collaboration is important. Then from there, I think that you need to look at what structures as a, as a yoga studio that you have in place where you are actually being inclusive in your language, inclusive in your teacher training programs. Are you making people of color feel comfortable and safe in your environment from, and it come, when I say inclusive in your language, from the words that are on your webpage to the the language that teachers use when they're teaching. Here's a great example. And I know that this is part of yoga teacher trainings because I've heard it so many times and I just cringe. Oh, if you want to see that your student is a little discomfort, a little uncomfortable, just check and see if the color of their face changes. Huh? That is so interesting. People say that. Yeah. And so I'm like, huh? Right. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not 
really going to blush. The, the shades of my skin aren't going to shift if I'm uncomfortable in a posture. Hmm. But I've heard this so many times, not just in yoga studios where I've taken classes. I've heard this online in people that are like doing yoga instruction for yoga teachers. And I've been part of yoga teacher training programs where I was sitting there as a teacher and I heard it and I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, this is not my training. Right. Let me pause, not say anything now, but when I go back and talk to the director, then I'm going to take it to them and the instructor. Yeah. And when my session comes in, then I'll say something totally different because I've heard this. So, so that's like one major piece. It's like really teachers checking their language around cues and the way that they are sharing and offering up this practice. I also want to make a recommendation that coming back to that collaboration piece is actually actively recruiting. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are tons of African-American, Hispanic, Asian-American, indigenous yoga teachers in our communities. I mean, even if you're in nowhere, Iowa, you can, I mean, to the point where I have a, a friend that had to open up a yoga studio because she felt like she was the only one. And I kept pushing her. I was like, well, that means that now you have to start a yoga teacher training program and watch who shows up. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. Yeah. Because people want to see themselves. So if you are a studio owner, you're a white studio owner, and you're like, my heart is in the good place. I've done my work in terms, or I'm doing my work in terms of making a shift within my culture and in my environment that I'm holding space for. Now I need to start reaching out and bringing teachers in and saying, you know what, I'm not expecting you to hold up our studio, but I want you to to tell me what I can do in order to serve our clients Mm -hmm. better. Mm -hmm. Representation matters on like every level. I mean, you can, a few years ago, I, I feel like I kind of dropped out of the the in-person yoga scene for a while, just like having a baby and Jason traveling a lot. I wasn't able to go to studios a lot. So a few years ago when I kind of started to go to studios more and specifically I would go into Jason's teacher trainings and talk to the students, I noticed a lot more men in his trainings than I ever noticed anywhere else. He has almost... I mean, he has 40% men in most of his trainings. And I said something to him about it. And I'm like, I think it's because you're a guy. <laughs> you know, I think it's like men who practice yoga and they practice for a long period of time and they start want to do a training. There's, you know, we are sort of, this is like the one industry where we are sort of female dominated and they feel comfortable with him. And so it's like, yeah, just being aware of that. And that if you want to, yeah, like if you want to be more inclusive, you need to be hiring people that represent that population. Yeah. 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 And I mean, it's, it's so funny that you mentioned that that's Jason has more men. I'm like, Oh yeah. That's I I have probably 75%. Sometimes it's always almost up to like 90% people of color in my yoga Mm. teacher training program. Cause I have one running now. I think it's probably 75%. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and representation is the piece that really matters. And, you know, speaking of representation, the other component, when I look at the LGBT community, I also make a very huge conscious effort to ensure that as a yoga studio owner, that I am honoring that community as well. And that goes from the top. Hmm. So making sure that I am hiring yoga teachers that could serve the the community, the LGBTQ community really well, Mm -hmm. but also serve our broader community in terms of education. Mm-hmm. and information yeah. and, inf- and and offering a perspective of life of how they are moving and navigating life in their teachings. And, it, and here's another really important piece when it comes, because uh, I want to talk about language as well. And I know this is not for yoga teachers, but um, as yoga teacher training, but one of the other important pieces, because that when I thought, thought about the LGBTQ community, The piece that's really important is allowing yoga teachers to teach what is authentically inside of them. And I know a lot of studio owners like to guide the ship and this is what the, you know, this is how your class should be structured. You can only do this and you can, because our clients are so sensitive and you can't like say these things. And I'm like, I don't provide any of that guidance. Mm. Interesting. I allow my teachers to show up fully as themselves. And sometimes like even my social media girls, we had a conversation yesterday. She's like, Faith, um, how, how radical can I be? I'm like, girl, fight the power. I'm like, do you know me? And she's like, well, I know I'm running your social media platforms. And I, she's like, I know I can be in the background, like fighting the power on my own thing. And like, you know, posting all kinds of stuff. She says, but It's your business and your voice and you have clients that may not agree with you. And I said, if they don't agree with what we have to say, I don't want them. And she's new to our team. And so she didn't really know that I've received like you crazy emails from a variety of, you know, people and all races Mm -hmm. that have disagreed with some of the things that my teachers have shared. And I'm like, my teacher was on point. Mm-hmm. They were be- talking about something that was relevant and they were speaking their truth. And I, I'm honoring them because this is what this platform is for. Mm-hmm. I've opened my door for them to show up as themselves. And if that's, and if they're teaching you a solid class and then they're dropping some serious political knowledge in the mix that might make you think while you're in that triangle pose, they're doing their job. Mm-hmm. And if you mm-hmm. don't like it, goodbye. Mm-hmm. Go to the other studio down the street. Well, you can you can just gloss over, you know, bypass yeah. the experience and just move your body and breathe. I applaud you for that. And, I, and it does actually take a measure of courage because like I said, I think there is a little bit of, I think in yoga, like we all want to just be a better person, right? So there can be a little bit of like moral superiority that we give to each other. Like, well, it's not about that. And I don't want to be told this and no, 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 no. And it's like, you do have to, at a certain point, get to the place where you're like, I'm not everybody's teacher. I'm not everybody's cup of tea. Like, that's how I have to feel about the podcast. I get bad reviews and it's just like, I just am who I am. I can't be everything to everyone. And so I have to pick a lane and I have to be 
cool with that lane. And like you said, if someone is going to unfollow me or of course I'll listen to reasonable critiques. I'm not saying that, but, but it's sort of like, don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out. Like that's fine. Yeah. You can, there are plenty of other people yeah. that you can, that you can talk to. So yeah. 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 I wonder if you could talk a little bit, this is also kind of changing gears, but whew, I wonder if you could talk from a, a really personal place about one of the things you said, and I don't know if I'm going to get it exactly right because I don't have it right in front of me, but I was just struck by how you pointed out that you get, you know, people are, and this has kind of died down since you did this video, but people were getting criticized for the rioting, right? That the protests, mm-hmm. that there was there were some times where it tipped the scales into writing. And the thing that's so confusing about even talking about this is that nobody really knows, like there were definitely some bad actors who were coming in and start and starting the writing. Right. But, but you do just hear in general, like why are people using anger to when they want to get something done? And like, you know, you hear comments that are kind of like, I can't abide by the violence and no, 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 no. And you said something like, I feel grateful that I have these tools from yoga and meditation so that I know how to channel things, but not everybody has that. Right. And so I'm just, yeah, I'm wondering if you could speak to like how you have utilized these practices to just cope with what's going on right now. Yeah, it's really, it's been very challenging and I've had to fully create space for myself, but I'm also really good at creating boundaries, mm-hmm. but I've learned that over the years. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not something that's, that I was born doing really well. So I've been able to create really, really bound a really huge boundaries and craft out time for myself. One of the benefits is that, I mean, I live alone with my dog, Sebastian, <laughs> with your friend. and um, he's like, you don't leave alone. You live alone. I know exactly. <laughs> <laughs> And so I have him and the mornings, like when I told you, I was like, yeah, I don't do certain things until after a certain time. And so that's a boundary for me because in the mornings I wake up, I, you know, do my morning activities, my practice, whatever that may look like on that day. And I walk him and I check emails. And then from there I shift into my work mode, which my work mode may go for hours into the night. but being able to have those boundaries has created this amazing amount of space during this time because my yoga practice and my meditation practice has shifted and understanding how energy moves through me, even in those moments when I'm walking, when I'm working deep into something and I'm triggered by something I see online and I want to cry. Mm-hmm. I know that, okay, I'm going to step away from this piece of work. I'm going to cry and allow that energy to move through me. I'm going to pause. I'm going to take some breaths. If I need to take a walk, if I need to sit, but all of that was knowledge and understanding that I gained through the practice. Like these are the tools that are in my toolbox. Not everyone has those tools, Mm -hmm. you know, and in, I have those tools because I started practicing in my twenties. However, I still had like this huge box of tools because I grew up in a family. I grew up in a two parent home and we were middle-class 
And I never wanted for anything. Also, you know, I, I think back to the conversation I was having on my own show yesterday with one of my friends. We grew up in this town that was the home base of a historically black university. So the Grambling is a historically black university. There's a town that's that surrounds the university. College town, yeah. Total college town, but a very unique and special college town because it's not just your ordinary, it's a black college town. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so one the motto at the university is the place where everybody is somebody. Nice. But at growing up, that was the message that we were constantly hearing. That's a tool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true. So, when I moved out and started navigating life on my own, you know, outside of my, my parents' home, I at least had that plus so many other tools by having the benefit of growing up in a college town that was historically Black. So I understood my Blackness. Mm-hmm. I knew who I was. I was proud of being Black. But at the same time, I also gained a whole lot of skills because that was what was taught in my home and in school of how to navigate the white world. Hmm. Interesting. And what I needed to say, how I needed to dress. So it's like. So you, it, that, you really, you felt that along moving it through your career in your life, that that's like really been a part of your, yeah. Yeah. So that's always been a part of me. And this is not just my story. This is like tons of other, you know, black Americans and, and other people of color. Like we've had the similar story where we were raised a certain way. However, the level of fire still sits inside of us. Like the level of anger, like if I didn't have the tools in order to navigate my emotions, I probably would have been like down the street burning some stuff up in DC. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think what we have to do as a country and definitely what white Americans have to do is really re-examine as they're listening to all of these stories, re-examine their prejudices based on what they would do because how they grew up. Everything that we are living right now is a product of how we were raised, is a product of, of the experiences we've had. You know, it's like, I I think a lot about my younger brother and some people know this story. My, my younger brother, of course, grew up in the same home as me. I mean, he's educated black man and he ended up going to prison in the middle of his PhD. Whoa. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. He was in prison for two years, for two years in the, in the state of Arkansas And, and the whole situation showed up is that my, my younger brother is HIV positive, which everybody knows. And he was engaged to a woman. They broke up and she claimed that she wasn't notified that or informed that he was HIV positive. He informed her. She went to doctor's appointments. Like, I mean, she knew she was part of our family. This wasn't, and they lived together. So I'm like, my brother takes My brother takes medication all the time. And there was a point when I moved in with them for about six months because my brother was dealing with some liver issues 
um, or kidney, kidney or liver, one of those things. And I moved in with him to help support him so he could focus on school because he was working on his PhD. I left New York, moved in with them. So she knew everything. When they broke up, she filed charges against him. Why would she do that? That's so horrible. So horrible. But in the state of Arkansas, they viewed it as a crime because she said it. And so they go to, you know, they go to court and all this stuff. Like he's working in DC by then gets arrested. Like the police are showing up to our house. And I'm like, my brother's at work. And so I tell my brother, like, dude, the police came by twice. He's like, okay, I'm just going to go down and see what's going on. You know, I mean, he's like, I don't want them coming to my job. I don't want them finding me on the street and like handcuffing me and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I'm just going to go to the police station and see why they they have a warrant for my arrest. Right. And make a long story short, my family, we go through two attorneys. My mom, by then my dad had already passed. My mom is like out of her mind and she's just trying to do whatever she can, even to the point where I was so desperate. And I've never told anyone this, but I was so desperate. I told him one day on the phone, I was like, dude, you know, you're out, you're out on bail. I was like, we're going to send you to another country. I I think any family member would definitely consider that. That was my thought was like, we're sending you to another country. He's like, no, we're going to figure it out. He's like, I'm going to go to trial. But then the two, both attorneys were like, don't go to trial, just plead guilty. You'll just, if you go to trial in the state of Arkansas, who's, you know, who's going to be sitting there. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Right. And you could get a harsher sentence. So that's what he did. He pled guilty and he got two years. But then when he got out, he was viewed as a sex offender. Oh my God. Faith. Oh and my so God. he was listed on the sex offender website. He left this and he was supposed to ha- do parole in Arkansas, but then the state of Louisiana, because my mom is in politics in Louisiana, she asked the parish where she lives to take over his parole duties. So they absorbed the parole duties and the, the burden. And he was in, on parole for years as a sex offender. And I'm so sorry. That is fortunately he, why he's like, how dare I get, you know, this is crazy. I get off parole. My parole ends while I'm in COVID. Oh, oh, he's just stuck <laughs> him and his wife now. Yeah. Him and his current wife, they were, they were like, they, they had this whole plan of like taking like some Caribbean vacation. Cause he's like, I have my passport. I'm ready to get out of this country and leave the state of Louisiana. Yeah. But it's like, you look at, I mean, he's an educated black man who's served time in prison, has a record. Mm. And it's not right. If he decided to go out and burn some shit up, I wouldn't blame him. Mm. He has every reason and right to. Mm hmm. To burn, like I, to burn a police station down mm-hmm. and be part of some rioting. Mm-hmm. Like I can understand why that level of anger right. would be in his body and he need to express it. Yeah. So I view that that's like a personal experience, but that's my understanding of it. I, I think it's so interesting that you just, you, you brought up, like you started out with like, here was my childhood. Right. 
it's like, we have to remember that we are a product of our environment and that we don't know what anyone else has grown up with. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, my mom grew up pretty poor, but like two parents, you know, happy household, no physical abuse, no mental abuse, no drug abuse, no alcohol abuse. And so she doesn't really have trauma from growing up poor, but you could grow up poor and have a lot of trauma. You could grow up wealthy and have a lot of trauma. Like we just don't know what other people have gone through. And I think what this time to me, if, if people could just take away anything, it would just be listen to each other because, you know, one of the things like, I think a really good point that black activists are making is, and white activists, like Colin Kaepernick knelt silently and respectfully for a very long time, lost his job. Okay. I mean, come on, lost his career. Still, they, the NFL has apologized, still haven't given him his career back. So Mm -hmm. if people are not getting anywhere by, and, and being listened to with peaceful protesting, I mean, that's, that, it makes sense to me that you have to quite literally start a fire, you know? And I know that, that it's caused a lot of pain for people. So I'm not saying I, I, I want people to understand too, like I was saying to Jason, I think one of the difficulties in talking about, about all of this is there's so much nuance, right? Yes. I'm not saying that everybody who lit a fire was doing the right thing. I'm not saying, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, right. it's like, yeah. there's a lot of nuance, but we have to just start listening more. I feel like, I feel like that is my obligation right now as a white privileged person. Like I want to listen. I want, I want to, I want to understand yeah. more. Yeah. Cause I, I think you're, you hit it. It's like, we have to really sit down and listen to each other and, and understand. So it's like listening to fully absorb and understand what people have experienced and why they do what they do or why they yeah. have opted not to speak up. I mean, cause that's also another piece that within the black community, there are many that are still in fear that if I speak out on my social platform, I could lose my job. And exactly. And then what do you, like your livelihood, your family? I mean, yeah. Yeah. Or I could be, you know, depending on where I live, my life could be a a threat. Right. Right. And so that's a whole nother level to it as well. Yeah. Which I think is also not being discussed. Yeah. And then yeah. the reason I brought that up is just, I just remember like growing up again and both of my brothers being HIV positive, we kept it a secret throughout the eighties. Mm-hmm. That was not at a tolerant time of HIV nope. positive people. Nope. Not nope. A tolerant. Regardless of how, you know, they were infected. Mm-hmm. It, it really was not. And so we kept it quiet. Yeah. Right into the early nineties. And then we came out yeah. Um, myself and my brother, we, yeah. brothers, we decided to come out. My mom wasn't, my mom was still scared. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Which, you know, she was scared for her children. Yeah. Um, even though we were all adults by then, you know, or somewhat adults. It never but stops. It never <laughs> stops. Yeah. Yeah. So Mama. it's like, you think about like what is happening now and people of color that are opting to stay quiet. Got to respect that. You have to respect that as well. Not mm-hmm. everyone's going to speak out. And there are going to be many levels of it. 
mm-hmm. many mm-hmm. levels of it. I'm not one to like be in protest energetically that just like hits me too much mm-hmm. and makes me really, really emotional because I live in DC right on 16th street. <laughs> and so I could hear protesters. So I was like, okay, I can't be in it, but I'm going to go to my courtyard mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and watch people and just be there energetically as support, because that's, I knew that that's all I can do. And I was like, and the other thing that I can do is vocalize what I need to say on totally. social media, because totally. that for me, that is my biggest platform. Yeah. And that's, I know that's where I have the largest reach to people. And yeah. so I need to make sure that I speak out on my platform and that's my protest. So everyone's protest is going to look differently. Some people will write, some people will march, some people will do videos and some people will simply support mm-hmm. and listen. Yeah. And that's okay as well. Yeah. Um, because I have had tons of people um, reach out for support, which is their way of protesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really, I, I just genuinely appreciate you saying that because I actually, <laughs> you know, I've felt a little bit of guilt because I haven't gotten to protest either. And my main concern is just, I would like, I wouldn't go without my daughter. And I actually just don't want to expose her to COVID. That's just yeah. with a child. I, it's just been my, my main concern. And protests in San Francisco have been super peaceful. I'm not really worried about violence, but I'm more worried about um, the amount of people, right? There are mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands of people. So I just appreciate hearing that because there, I think we all have to think about what we can do that's genuine and that it's okay to like pick a lane and go deep into that lane. You know, like you can't, yeah. like we were saying, you can't be everything to everyone. And you're not going to be able to do everything and then post it on your social media that you did all the things. You don't have to do all the things and like prove that you did all the things. It's okay. It's okay to pick your thing and try to do the best that you can at that thing. Yeah. I think the most important piece, like from the conversation is that people listen, they create space and not to overburden your black friends. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, that's a really a good point. <laughs> I, th- I think that is like the, the main piece, like, hello, checking in, seeing how you're doing. Right. Right. And, and I think that's, you know, depending on your relationship with, with your black friends or your black colleagues, it's like, I think that is for me, that has been useful. I want to go back to the wellness community. And, and the wellness space, because one thing that I find that is happening right now is that companies as well as other yoga teachers or, or yoga studios are starting to reach out to, to black yoga teachers or, you know, other people of color to support them and are asking them to be on their platform. Mm-hmm. It's like giving people another task on their to-do list. Yeah. 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 Uh, So I've had to send very polite emails and I've had to block some people. I'm like, thank you, but no, thank you. And then if they keep pushing, then you get blocked and you get reported Mm -hmm. because I've already said no. Mm -hmm. Or I've been like, one, I was like, look, I'm not going to join your platform. I'm already on a lot. 
already, I already do my own thing. You have your own thing. And then again, do your research. And then follow up, you know, I had to follow up with a second email because obviously they didn't get it. I was like, look, you want to support something? You can be a sponsor on my platform if you want to support, but I'm not coming onto your platform. Yeah. You can sponsor my platform and my teachers if you want to be of support and say that you are linked to. Right, right. Right. And you, you are, you are doing your protests in this form. Yeah. And so what I'm finding, I've talked to other black yoga teachers and the same thing is people are doing the same thing inside of their DMs. I'm like, the DMs have become a whole nother right? round. <laughs> totally. <laughs> it used, to be, used to be dating, like the tides have changed and now <laughs> it, it's, it's where white owned oh. businesses go and creep into the black yoga teachers and go, hey, boo, you know, you want to be on my thing? You want to be on my platform? I got something good for you. So it's like, no, how can I support you and uplift you? Yeah. With what you already have going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So that, that was the part that I was like, should I mention this? I think that's okay. important to mention. I think that's really, yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. How can I support you? And you know, it, it relates to what you were saying, which is the not being a burden to your black friends. Like, I think that people, it's like, when people say, well, I, I just want to help. It's like, then, okay, I need to not be judgy in the way that I say this too. That's understandable, but be sensitive, right? And mm-hmm. so this, this reminds me so much of when I have cancer, people say really awkward things to you when you have cancer. It's really awkward. And like I had someone say to me something like, God, God, protects the good ones. I don't know. There's just people say really crazy things. And so, or like, well, oh, you have breast cancer. At least you don't have blank cancer. That's like a really common one. People also like talk, like they sort of will, and it's okay. Like, it's okay. It's uncomfortable for people to hear that you have cancer. Right. I, I, looking back, like I, I, I never held it against someone. I was never angry, but it was being in that sensitive state of having the cancer. It was incredibly traumatic and difficult to hear someone tell me, oh, well, like my cousin's husband died of da, 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 and then they kind of like verbally just blah, tell you this horrible story. So I came across this really interesting concept in, I think it was like in the LA times and it was, what it is, is comfort in dump out. And so you imagine that the person who has cancer is in the middle ring, in the middle of a circle. And that ring outside that person is like their husband their daughter, their mother, the person, the people that are closest to them. And that outside of that circle is their best friend and, you know, mm-hmm. their best friends from high school and college. And then outside of that is like work friends. Okay. So the further you get away from the circle, the more distant you are distantly you're connected to this person. The person in the middle of the circle only gets comfort from everyone else. Okay. Yeah. And as you go out, like if you're on the way, way outside of the circle, you comfort all the rings inside. Mm. The person on the inner ring can dump their worries and their challenges to the, out, the next ring out and so on and so on. But you cannot be on an outside ring and dump your stuff in. Does that make sense? Yes. yes. It was so helpful to me. And I think it would be helpful to everyone because it's like, we all need to talk about our worries and our fears. I mean, and I'm talking specifically about a health crisis, right? 
and how like when someone's in a health crisis, it brings up our own insecurities. And I think it's the same thing with with talking about like uh, race, it's like, it brings up our own insecurities of like, well, what have I done in the past? And what did I do wrong? And what do I, you know, you think about yourself. So, okay. You think about yourself, fine. Dump your issues to a person in the outer ring. Out, yes. You know, don't dump your issues to the people in the center. Those people yeah. need comfort. Yes. Those people need support. Yes. Yeah. 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 Cause I think that touches on the issue of white guilt that is, is mm-hmm. surfacing up mm-hmm. a lot. And mm-hmm. it's like, I want to help. I want to help. And then they're like going in, but they, they're also like going into the inner circle and not just comforting. Mm-hmm. They're dumping and they're responding with this layer of guilt that is so high level. I don't even know. I can't even comprehend it right now. I mean, girl, I'm like, <laughs> I literally, and it's something I can't understand. So it's something I'm learning. Yeah. In this process. It's like, I've, I've, I'm like, I've heard about this concept. It's like this unicorn. <laughs> yeah. It is kind of a weird concept. I should probably think about it. Cause I don't even know if I've like fully unpacked it or examined it, you know, but yeah, it must be, that must be what it is. You're right. It's a response. Like, a. Mm-hmm. it's like a, it's when we don't filter, when we don't think of like, mm-hmm. okay, I don't need to talk about myself right now. I might need to process this later with someone else, like my husband or my, you know, my best friend. But right now I need to like look at the person in front of me and see what they need. I need to like switch yeah. that. Yeah. That, that instinct that we all have to think about ourselves. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Wow. This has been a great conversation. <laughs> I know. Really has. I know. We've, I'm like, we've talked about a whole lot. We have. We have. And I'm glad we covered like the fun stuff in the beginning because yeah. I don't know. It's just like now switching my mindset. I'm so deep into this right now. I just want to like get off the, the phone and meditate or something. Mm, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot. It's it's a lot. It's And I think that the main piece is, you know, regardless of you know, your race and where you're sitting in this whole experience and energetic shift that we are having is that we all have to pause Mm. and craft out time to do that for ourselves. Even, I mean, for the ones that are on the front line doing the fighting and protesting to the ones that are going to work and just navigating all of their emotions and seeing everything pour in, we all have to to stop at least once a day and Mm -hmm. just sit with what we're experiencing. Because this is something that None of us. I mean, I'm, I'll be 50. So I guess we're all not the same. Yeah, I'll be 50 yep. in September. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I have just thought these were stories, you know, in terms of like how you, a fire starts in a community and meaning that, you know, something happens and erupts in a community and it starts to change everything, mm-hmm. the full landscape of how we view each other. And so we haven't experienced that type of thing in our lifetime. It's like, you know, the, we've seen police brutality. We've ex- experienced racism. We, we've seen these little moments in time, but not something that just like completely turned the switch on and like brought light to everything where you have government officials. I mean, I read something about Como today, Governor Como, how he's signing 
and changing laws in his state. And so, yeah. So I'm like, we haven't seen laws being changed like this in this way Mm -mm. since the 60s. I wasn't born then. Mm -hmm. Yep. Jason was a, an anarchist when he was in his twenties, he lived in an anarchist bookstore. I mean, he was out. Do I know. Can you believe it? He, he was out <laughs> doing it all. And he's like, we saw nothing. We saw no change. He said the, the other day, he said, I just never thought in my lifetime I'd ever see anyone even seriously consider taking money away from the police and giving it to, you know, and I, I don't, I'm not using the expression defund the police. Cause I think that's like, people are misunderstanding that. Yeah. That. They don't. So you know, he's like, I never thought in my lifetime I would see that. And all of a sudden this is actually happening. It's amazing. It is amazing in that sense. But yes, thank you for that reminder to pause and like reflect each day. Yeah. Yeah. I'm giving myself that every day. Mm. It's like, yeah, Mm -hmm. I did it before a call. (laughs) Do some deep breathing, and then yeah. I was like, "Okay, go get go get dressed, pull yourself together, Faith." Because usually when I have calls, I'm like, "I need to at least put some change clothes." <laughs> so, um, don't want to wear the same thing I was wandering around the house in. Your, so, your, so your daytime uh, pajamas. Oh my god! <laughs> you know how COVID's taught, been like your nighttime pajamas, your daytime pajamas. <laughs> I taught in my because like my mom was like, "Yeah, I'm still in my pajamas." It's like, no, mom, it's your leisure wear. Totally, totally. And it's just like. Okay. So when your brother comes over and asks why I'm still in my pages, I'm like, no, I'm in my leisure wear. I my lounge wear. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you're just a lady of leisure now. Yeah. I was going to say, I bet leisure wear sales have gone like through the roof since. Oh my God. Oh you know? My God. Yeah. I've, I'm sure they have. And, and I taught in my PJs yesterday. I oh. like their pair of pajama bottoms. They were just so comfortable. I was like, I'm teaching in these. Today. And Probably nobody knew the difference. They're not that different from yoga clothes. No, right? no, no. But yeah. I, I did tell them now. So yeah. <laughs> everybody looking at me. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah, thank you. Well, thank you so me. much. It was just so great to talk to you and connect with you. And we covered a lot. And I, I'm mm-hmm. so, I, I'm, I appreciate just your time and, and, and your willingness to like, just speak your truth always. I've always admired that about you. Thank you. And thank you for always being sensitive. Thank you. I try. I was like, <laughs> when I was reflecting today, I was like, from the moment I met you, you always have been just a kind and sensitive person. And so thank you. Cause we've known each other a while. You do not age. So it's impossible for me to know <laughs> because I feel like you look exactly the same. But it's been at least, it's been at least 12 years, don't you think? Yeah. 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 Something yeah. like that. About that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, you take care of yourself. And you. I'm so excited to go watch your show. I'm going to go watch your first episode and have yeah. a great time with that. It's just awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Thank All right. You. Love you. Bye. Take care. Love okay, you too. You too. Bye. Bye. All right. Thanks so much for listening. Love to hear how you are all doing out there. I will put show notes at yogalandpodcast.com slash episode 198. And I just want to send so much love and appreciation to all of you. 
and support and solidarity to my BIPOC listeners. Until next week, enjoy your practice.